0: So one of my responsibilities as a parent is teaching my boys um, what they should fear and what they shouldn't fear, right? And and many of us have fears, probably all of us actually, if we thought about it long enough, um, have fears that we can trace all the way back to our childhoods, Um, things that happened um, both good and bad. I I remember... um, I'm not sure exactly what age you get a memory when you can remember to when you were a kid, but so one of my first memories is I was, I don't know, probably about uh, yay tall, I guess. I don't know. And um, we were feeding squirrels at a park, my family and I, and a couple squirrels would run up and get some food out of your hand and whatnot. And, And there was this one squirrel that came up. And I reached down to feed it, and, and uh, it had other ideas. And it lunged at me and attacked me in the face. And I had these scratches all the time. Mean, I can remember the picture my parents showed me. I had scratch, squirrel scratches down my face. And um, as a result of that, I believe I'm going to trace it back to that, I have always been super skittish around animals, um, especially animals that can move quick, and it leap up and attack me at any moment. Um, and so there are things, uh, that kids need to fear. Uh, crazy squirrels is one of them. Um, otherwise if kids don't fear anything, they're just going to be running out into the street with no care, sticking forks into outlets, you know, uh, all sorts of things. So, so as a parent teaching, teaching my kids what they need to fear is part of the job, but there's those healthy fears to keep them from doing things that'll hurt them. And then there's the, there's the unhealthy fears. Some of us are carrying fear of things that, that are things that we need to be involved with in life. So some of us are afraid of opening up. Some of us are afraid of, of being ourselves. Some of us are are afraid to trust other people. Um, but, you know, growing up, and our parents, that's not the only place that we learn what to fear. We also, um, life teaches us fear, doesn't it? Right? And there's a lot of things being thrown at us in life right now. Um, but you all could probably... Uh, tell me a story. If I were to sit down and have a conversation with you about your past, um, something that is so dreadful, something that caused you so much um, fear and anxiety that you don't ever want to experience that thing again, right? That there are feelings associated with an event or period in your past. And you think about that and you say, I don't ever want to feel that again. I don't ever want to experience that again. I don't, I'll do just about anything I can do to never have to go through that Again, right? And what we learned through all of that is this, is that our present day fears are fueled by our past experiences. The fears that we are carrying with us now are fueled by our past experience. Our fears are just not about Today. Right? Our, our fears um, are, are about yesterday and what happened to us in our past. And there's things that we bump into today, things that, that we run into um, and we react. And when we react to them, everybody around us thinks we're just reacting to today, but we're not. We're reacting to everything in our past that has fed into that thing that's causing us to react today. Right. We're, we're bound to our past. And listen, I, have in my past and I'm not going to bore you with stories, but in my past I've experienced things um, that have led to fear in my life, specifically fear of people rejecting me. Right. And so I've learned, I learned to, as a kid growing up and being in, in situations, I learned to, 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 to stay quiet to not be vulnerable, to protect myself, to not put myself out there, right? And we all, we all have our little stories, right? Maybe, maybe for you, maybe you were loved, you loved someone and you were rejected. You know, maybe um, you, you trusted somebody who wasn't trustworthy and now you fear trusting people. Maybe you took a risk um, and were vulnerable and it didn't work out, right? God didn't come through, you know, the... And you're like, eh, that's the last time I'm gonna be vulnerable, right? You opened up and, and were intimate, and it wasn't returned. And so you decided no more of that, and you're afraid of that, or life got out of control and you got hurt. And so you decided you were always gonna be in control, and you fear not being in control. And, um, and some of the fears that you experience as an adult are hinged um, on a moment that you were taught to fear. And so what we do is we start to build walls and we hide behind those walls and we do what we've got to do to protect ourselves. Um, and, and we, you know, we put on things like, like anger and we withdraw, you know, and people say, you know, why, why don't you ever open up to me? Why are you so distant? And it's because it's a, it's a coping mechanism. It's a, it's a protective mechanism. You know, since we couldn't trust once, we'll never trust again. We get, we get critical or we get cynical and we use that to keep everybody and everything at arm's distance. We get ultra controlling or we get sarcastic or we, or we bury ourselves in just the busyness of life. And and then, you know, if the pain is too deep or the fear is too deep, you know, then we move to, to self-medicating and substance abuse. And, And and some of us will go to great lengths to not feel the things that we have felt in the past. And we live our lives behind walls and the whole time we're trying to be good husbands and wives and parents and employees. And all we can, all we can really say, if we're honest about it, is as long as you can deal with me from back, back here, then we're fine. If I have to get closer it's not going to work. It's not going to work, right? I did that once and I don't like how it feels. But as a Christian from behind the walls that we've constructed, we can, we can hear God saying, I want you to follow me. I want you to love one another. I want you to open up to one another. And when we hear that, we want to try and do that from behind our walls that we've constructed. Because we've tried those things before and they didn't work out. But as we'll see from scripture, and as some of you already know, you don't need to see scripture. Our our Heavenly Father isn't satisfied with us staying behind our self-constructed walls and trying to do things from there. He's calling us out from behind the walls that we have built. That we hide behind in our fear. Walls that have robbed us of um, relationships, walls that have robbed us of intimacy, walls that have robbed us of knowing the adventure of what God wants to do through us for those around us. So, so how do how do you do that? How do you break through? Those walls and detach yourself from the negative experiences of life in your past that now cause fear. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be to Exodus. Chapter two, Um, and and this is a very familiar story. Many of you have have seen the movies made about it. Um, And and as great as the the Ten Commandments is as a movie, um, the problem with that movie is is that um, that's not what Moses was really like. Um, Moses was one of the most fearful people in all of the scriptures, Right? And it was through his fear that, that God changed him and ultimately used him to change history. and it's why we still talking we're still talking about him, thousands and thousands of years later. And the reason this is such a great story for us as we're dealing with fear is because of the entire context of Moses' life, his entire life was inundated with fear, right? Israel was a slave nation to Egypt, right? Every day of their life was a day that was full of fear. At any moment, their life could be taken and there was nothing they could do. There was no recourse for them. Pharaoh, who was in charge of everything, he was afraid as well. Right? He was afraid that soon the Israelites would outnumber the Egyptians in Egypt. So he called all the Hebrew midwives together. And he told them that they were to kill all of the newborn Hebrew boys. That only the girls were allowed to live. Right? And in this context of fear, there surfaces in this story, some heroes. There's some heroes and the Bible tells us that that the midwives feared God, which is kind of where we kicked the whole series off, talking about the fear of God being the way to overcome the fear of other things. The, The Hebrew midwives, they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. So they didn't listen to him. They didn't kill the boys Right? And consequently, Moses was born and lived. But eventually Pharaoh caught on because that's not really the kind of thing you can hide for that long. And he gave an order to all people that the boys should be thrown into the river to drown. Right? So let's, let's dive into the story from there. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married to a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it amongst the reeds along the bank of the Nile. And his, talking about the child his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. And she opened it and saw a baby and he was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister, Moses' sister, asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. So so here's Moses, doesn't even have a name yet, right? He's just the baby. Doesn't even have a name. He's in a basket in his river. His sister is hiding out, watching what's going to happen to this basket. Pharaoh's daughter, Finds him right? Moses' sister comes out of the the edge of the the riverbank and asks Pharaoh's daughter, you know, do you want me to go get a Hebrew woman to help with this boy? Yeah, 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 yeah. So she goes and gets Moses' mother to nurse the baby. So the woman, Moses' mother, took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. Now, let me stop here for a minute. Because if there was ever a person who should have confidence that God was with them, um, it should have been Moses. right? It should have been Moses. We, we, we read this story and we think, Moses, your way was clearly paved by God. God was obviously so interested in you that you have no reason, Moses, to be afraid. I mean, first of all, the midwives feared God more than they feared feared Pharaoh. And you were born and you lived. I mean, that, that shows that God was with you. Your mom was creative enough to put you in a basket right, in the river. No crocodiles ate you while you were just sitting there in a basket in the river, right? Moses, God is with you, right? Pharaoh's daughter of all people finds you. Then your mom is paid to raise you, to nurse you. Then, 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 instead of growing up as a slave, you grow up in the palace, Moses. If there was ever a person who should be able to walk into any situation fearless. That person should have been Moses. God was clearly with him. But Moses misses it. He doesn't see it at all, right? He, he became one of the most fearful people in all of the Bible. Why? Because he's just like us right he allowed his current circumstances what was going on around him to overpower his ability to see God in his past see god god's fingerprints are all over our past all over but because of your circumstances you can't see it you can't see it but just like we read this story and we can clearly see that God was, was at work in the life of Moses. There are people who are are around us that they look at us and they can clearly see that God is working in our life, but we're blind to it because of our circumstances. And as a result, we are afraid we're afraid. Well, the story goes on. Moses grows up and we don't know much about his growing up years, but but he grows up. And then one day after Moses had grown, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses was, and there's our word, afraid. He was afraid. And he thought what I did must have become known. And when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. So here's the picture. Here's the great Moses, the man for whom God has so much in store, running in fear from Pharaoh and hiding out in Midian. And when he gets to Midian, what does he do? He, He builds himself a little life what he does, and he hid behind his fear and his finances and his wife and his kids and his occupation, all the things that we hide behind. And he put Egypt far behind him. And he thought, "I am never. I am never going back there. Let, let, let them all rot in slavery. I, I don't care. I will never go back." And he made himself a little wrinkle-free life. And everything was under control. Until one day God decided he was going to interrupt Moses. (laughs) God said, Moses, I want you to come out of Meridian. I I know life is under control there, but, but that's not what I have for you, Moses. Right? And Moses hid behind his walls and he tried to use his past as an excuse to not follow God. The story goes on. Chapter three, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. There the angel of God, the angel of the Lord, appeared to him in flames from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So he thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why? The bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said to him, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was, and here's our word again, afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I mean, that's exciting, right? God showing up and going to use you to deliver the nation of Israel. But look at how Moses responds. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? In other words, Moses said, I don't know. I've been there. I've tried that. Nope, not going back. Don't like what I experienced. Don't like what it felt. Nope, staying here. And then look at how he excuses himself. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Right? Because they didn't say God's name. Then, then he tries again with another tact. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? I mean, that makes sense, right? I promise you, if someone were to show up to my doorstep and tell me that the Lord God appeared to them in a burning bush and had a message for me, I would look at them and I would say, the Lord did not appear to you (laughs) at all. And then I like this part. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground and Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Moses is my man, (laughs) right? Of course he ran from it because just because he's fearful doesn't mean he's stupid. You get away from the snake. And then Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And he kept trying excuse after excuse after excuse. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. He was essentially saying to God, I don't want to go back because I am afraid. And you know what happened? What happened was, is that Moses finally came to a point of crisis where he threw his hands up and he said, all right, fine, I'll go. I'll go. I can't imagine how this will work, but I'll go and I'll do it. But, and, and this, is, this is key. He says, but because you are God and I am not, I will Because you are God for no other reason, I will do what you are asking me to do. And as Moses stepped out from behind his walls that he had built and he began to trust God, an interesting thing happened in Moses, right? And and the same thing can happen for us if we take the same steps of stepping out and trusting God. God, as you read the story, all of those events in the past that seemed to have no significance, right? That seemed to just spell out failure that underscored the fact that Moses wasn't up for the job um, that were a barrier and caused so much fear began to change in significance and definition, right? And he began to understand that indeed the fingerprints of God were on my past, and it wasn't, it wasn't just Moses on his own failing. That's not what was going on. It was all meant to bring Moses to a point of brokenness and dependency on God. And once he got to that point, he couldn't depend on himself. God used that to teach him, Moses, you have to depend on me. And then he calls him out. And gives him another opportunity. Now, here's the point that that some of you need to hear as you're watching this. When you respond to the call of God on your life, um, you will begin to recognize his work in your past. right, Right now, you can't see it. But as you begin to respond to what God wants you to do, you will begin to see what he was doing in your past that makes sense in your present for what he wants you to do. When when you respond to God in the present, it's only then that you're going to be able to see his hand in the past, but as long as we hide and say, you know, all right, I'll I'll come out when God shows himself and unsorts all of my past and makes everything make sense. Then I'll step out from behind my wall. Um, We will always be behind our walls because until you step out from behind them, you cannot see God's work. In your past. But as soon as we respond, as soon as we take that chance and step out and say, I'm going to risk losing control, I'm going to trust again, I'm going to love again, I'm going to follow again, I'm going to take risk again, I am willing to follow. From that moment on, you will look back and you will understand your past in a whole new light. Right? Why you went through the things that you went through, why you felt the feelings that you felt, why you experienced um, what you couldn't imagine a good and loving God would allow you to experience at the time. But it's not until you respond to God's call that you will be able to see those things. Now now some of you could come up here and, and tell your story.. It, And for some of you, that story ends with, and that's why I'm afraid. And that's why I don't do things anymore. And some of you, your story probably ends with, and God called me to do something and it scared me to death. But when I stepped out to do it, a whole lot of things started making sense. Well, Andy, are you saying that God, God caused all that stuff to happen or is responsible for all the bad things that happened to you in life? I, I, I can't answer that question. But I do know that God uses those things. And when we decide that we're not going to allow our past to chain us down, to keep us uh, pinned behind our walls, when we refuse to be bound by fear, Um, we will gain a new understanding of our past. And God will bring us to a decision moment, a a moment where we must decide, am I going to follow God or am I going to allow my fear rooted in my past to control me? We're going to have to decide, right? Where we say, you are God. And because of that, and for no other reason, I, even though I can't see how it's going to work, right? I am going to follow you. I am not going to live behind these walls any longer. And in these moments, we will argue just like Moses argued. When God calls you to do something, you're going to throw up every single excuse, every single reasons why you can't, why you're not the best person. Please send somebody else. But at the end of that, we must decide, do I trust God? Do I trust God? So what, what is your story? What is your past? What is, what is that thing where you say, I can't go back there. I can't do that again. What is it that you're hiding behind? What are the walls that you built to protect yourself from the things that you fear? What are the feelings that you are trying to avoid? The tragedy is this, is that until you step out in trust, all, all of that past experience, all of that past failure, all of that past dysfunction, all of that past pain will do you no good. No good at all. It will all be for nothing. It will never benefit you. It will only serve to isolate you. But God says, I want to use your past. I want to use those experiences. I want to use that pain to do something great through you. So this morning, some of you, God is saying to you, follow me step out from behind your wall. Trust again, love again, open yourself up for intimacy again, take a risk again, pray again. Because your past will never make sense until you respond to God in your presence. And God is looking at you and saying, fear not. I am with you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the inspiration of the scriptures. And Lord, for so many people, there are things in our past that have caused us to be afraid in our present. And Lord, I pray, it is my desire that people break free of the bondage of fear, that is rooted in their past. But God, to do that, they've got to trust you and be able to step out and follow you and do what it is that you are leading them to do. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, for first of all, for wisdom, for them to be able to recognize your voice and to see and to know clearly what it is that they need to step out and do. And then, Lord, I pray for courage as they must confront their fear and step out and trust God. But Lord, it is then when we put our faith in you that your faithfulness shines and amazing things can happen in our life. And that is what I want for everyone in our church. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy and I thank you for your grace in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, I hope you have a great week, um, but take some time and recognize your fear and then fear not.